Hi, this is Eric Y. Chen, host of the Y Factor podcast, where I interview entrepreneurs, CEOs, and individuals on how they got started in their business. I take a deep dive to understand their journey through life, uncovering their purpose, and most importantly, discussing their whys. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Hey everybody, this is Eric Y. Chen, and today I have a very awesome guest, Tony Lam, who is one of the most true serial entrepreneurs uh, on the show today. And you know, I say true serial entrepreneur because you guys are going to be blown away by his experience, and I'd love for you to go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah. Hey, Eric, thank you for having me on your podcast. I am very honored here because this is my very first podcast that I'll, I'll be recording. So looking very forward to it. So quick background about myself. I studied uh, business when I went to uh, college. I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, so I'm a Mustang. So graduated with business degree. My very first job out of school was at a networking company called Cisco. I ended up working for that company for, gosh, 14 years. And I had various roles in the company. I was an IT analyst. I did network support. I also did uh, some program management. And so I didn't know at that time, you know, I wanted to have a business. I just didn't know what it would be. And so one of my coworkers had gone to Texas and she said that, hey, Tony, my husband and I went to Texas and we stopped by this wing joint. It was called Wingstop. She said, you know, we tasted it and it tastes really, really good. You should consider, you know, opening up a Wingstop. And, you know, I've never, ever worked in a restaurant or fast food before, but I was really intrigued by it. So I did my due diligence and there was one Wingstop in the entire Bay Area. Okay. And Where was that? Where was that at? That was in Oakland. And, you know, believe it or not, well, believe it, it was the number one highest grossing, grossing location in the country. Well, even because so, did Wingstop start in Texas? Is that where it originated from? Like, I don't even know what the history. Yeah. Of so it originated in Texas and uh, Richardson was the, the specific city. So it's not too far from uh, Dallas. And, uh, you know, there was one Wingstop that was in, in the Bay Area. And I was, we went there, tasted it, and I fell in love with it. And so at that time, I, didn't, I had some money because of Cisco stock, because of the dot-com and everything like that, saved some money, sold some stock. But I teamed up with four other uh, business partners. Now we're down to three business partners. We flew out to Texas. We interviewed with the C-level uh, executives at Wingstop. And, you know, we told them about our experience. Obviously, only one person in our group had ever worked at a fast food place. But we ended up getting experience of um, like running a fast food joint. Maybe they just had some experience like working in one before. Yeah, just they they were working in a fast food. They didn't own one, but they were working at a, a fast food joint. And Wingstop basically came back and they gave us from Union City all the way to San Jose, that territory, almost 30 miles. So we signed up for five wing stops during that time. Just five right off the bat, not just starting off with one. 
Uh, well, what happens is, uh, this is what happens uh, with franchise. So what they do is they give you a territory and they give you a time limit as to the number of stores you must open. Because if you don't open within that time period, it allows them to uh, sell the territorial rights to other franchisees that want to get in. So we were on the clock. So, you know, I'll tell you, it wasn't, it wasn't easy going for me because uh, this was my kind of like my very first business. And we lost $100,000 the very first year, guys. And I was just like, wow. And we signed up for five. Like, this is not looking so good, right? And, you know, the thing was, nobody knew the brand back then. This is 15 years ago. Obviously, it's a little bit yeah. different now. Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I'm talking to my friends and I'm telling my, my, my family, I'm telling them, hey, guys, I'm thinking of opening this um, restaurant called Wingstop. They're like, wait a minute wings like i can't see myself eating wings for lunch or dinner you know i could i only see wings as an appetizer appetizer normally yeah. at applebee's or something right exactly so they couldn't they, they and, and so they looked at me strangely enough and they said tony you know i'm not sure this is a really good investment you know and so like i said after the first year we lost a hundred thousand dollars and the location that we chose was uh, in union city it's right behind the BART station, the Union City BART station, and across a high school. But again, because the brand was not there yet, you know, you got to spend a lot of money to, you know, build the brand to get customers through the door, right? And I'll give you an example. I still remember this, but, you know, one of the radio stations, I remember this, you know, they said, hey, we, we could do an ad for you. And I said, okay, we could play you for three months, Tony, we'll play you three times a day for three months. And it's going to cost you about $10,000. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of money. And I go, okay, so what time are, are we going to be able to, what time are you going to play us? Oh, we're going to play you at 10 p.m., 2 a.m., 5 a.m. And I'm like, wait a minute, who the heck listens the to radio <laughs> yeah. during that time? When they came back and they said, well, what did you expect? You know, if you want prime time, you're going to have to pay big dollars for, you know, big dollars for it. So um, it was a lesson learned for, for me at that time, right? Because that was $10,000 was a lot for our marketing budget. So, you know, come the second store was like, you know, I'm thinking to myself, okay, guys, let's open the second store. Let's choose another location where uh, there's a big anchor store. So our second location was in Fremont, California. It's in the auto mall where there's a Costco. There's a, I don't think Costco existed yet. When you guys opened up that Wingstop. Yeah, it was just about coming up. But yeah, I mean, it was fairly new, that whole complex right there. And, you know, so we opened that up and we were profitable the very first year. So then we said, you know what? Um, that's the winning formula. We just got to find strong anchor stores like this and, and good locations like this. And so that's what we did. We, we went and found these A locations where, where there's an anchor store. And we were profitable. Now we got to the fifth store. I have to tell you about that story because the fifth store, when we opened that one, I chose the fifth store in San Jose, California, San Jose off of Story and King. Okay. So this is more on the east side and there's more Hispanic in that area, but my sales were actually kind of poor. And I thought, man, there's a target and Wingstop demographic is Hispanic. Why isn't this store doing great? And when I say that it's not doing great, our sales was about 
10 to $12,000 a week, which is not that great. That, that, mm-hmm. You know, you need to do at least at that time, 18,000 to uh, kind of break even. Um, so what happened? I decided to run for, uh, we, we, we built a, what we call a marketing co-op where every single wing stop pulls in their money, right? Pulls in their money into this bucket. And we use this money to go buy media buys, radio ads, TV ads, digital marketing, sports sponsorship. So I ran for president and I basically work with an ad agency to do the following TV ads, radio ads, and so forth. And one of the things that I told the agencies to do was I want us to be in Telemundo to be on Spanish radio. Um, and that's what we did. That that particular store now is my number one store. The San Jose the, one. The San Jose one. Wow. So I've been I've been doing the marketing stuff, marketing president for all 50 stores, roughly 50 stores in the Bay Area for the last eight years. And so this and, is the, the co-op was because you had your five and then basically everyone else in what California would come in together to basically pull in for the marketing. Yeah, so uh, exactly. So there's 50, roughly uh, 50 stores in the Bay Area. All those stores in this DMA, we call it, mm-hmm. pulls their money uh, into this bucket. And yes. so we use that to purchase uh, a marketing. So now, because I have this buying power, I'm able to go onto radio now. I'm in all the radio stations now. I'm able to get the 11 a.m., the 5 p.m., the 8 p.m. slots that I couldn't have before, mm-hmm. right? Before, before the co-op, it was every franchise for doing their own local store marketing, LSM, local store marketing. And, you know, we weren't consolidating our, our money. So if I wanted radio, it wasn't like I could say, you see that wing stop like five miles down the street, don't give them radio waves, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, because I want a radio, but they might not want radio. Well, I'm the one forking it out. But, you know, people who, people who listen on the radio would hear Wingstop and it would benefit everybody, including stores that weren't participating. Yeah. So we create this co-op to allow us to do that. And one of the, one of the things that we did with the marketing was, you know, I've been a diehard die Warriors fan. And so when the Warriors came and said, hey, you know what, we want to do a partnership with Wingstop. We want Wingstop to be a, a sponsor. Of course, I was like, yeah, let's do this, you know, but it, had we done this sponsorship, a, a significant uh, portion of our money would be used strictly on that. We wouldn't have so many radio, TV ads and so forth. So it was, um, we looked out over the budget and we said, we can't do it right now. So half the season went by, Warriors came back and said, Tony, half the season has, has gone by and you know what? You're getting in at a cheaper price. It would be great if you, you know, just try it out and see if this thing will work, right? Sure enough, I said, let's give it a try. Let's see, you know, what happens, right? Again, I'm a diehard Warriors fan. That season, 40 years later, they win their next championship. And of course, all the franchisees are like, how did you know that the Warriors were going to win? And I just kind of like winked at them and said, yeah, I really did know that they were going to win. And so now we have this Warriors relationship. We are now the official wings of the Golden State Warriors for the last for the last six years now, since that championship. Yeah. So that relationship, you know, being associated to a 
NBA championship team has definitely helped strengthen, you know, the brand as well as our business in the Bay Area, because now, you know, we're able to put the Warriors logo on our to-go bags, on our cups, on our email campaigns that go out on social media. So, you know, that's the value that you get when you partner up with a sports team. Yeah. That, that's that's amazing right like there's just so many risks that you've taken and and you know had really good opportunities and luckily they've all worked out so far yeah i mean i'm not gonna lie i mean some of the the marketing campaigns we did it's it's a learning lesson right i'm not gonna tell you that all the the marketing campaigns we did turned out the best but the thing is you know we learn and we grow from it we know that okay we tried this marketing campaign the ROI was not that great, so we'll never, ever make that mistake again and, and, and do that. So I'm very blessed to be able to be able to, I, I wouldn't say experiment, but to be able to see each, uh, each of these campaigns and see the effectiveness of it, you know, so very, very fortunate to, to be in that. Yeah. Place. So what happened uh, with, with the first store in, in Union City? Was that you guys still kept it and it kind of just piggybacked along with the rest of the stores that had better locations? Correct. So, so now that the brand is stronger now, we're profitable now. We're profitable as a business for that particular store. But it was just that because people don't, didn't know about that brand, the sales were not at, at the point where we wanted. But because of the marketing that we're putting in place, every single store, their, their sales are going up. So. Yeah. So I, I'm, I was born and raised in Fremont, right? So when you guys popped up in... You said 2005 or? Uh, two, so it was for the free, for two, about 2005 was the Union City location. Yeah. For the Fremont was around 2007, 2008 is when that one came up. That, make, that makes sense because that was uh, 2007 is when I got my, I was able to drive off campus to go buy food. And so <laughs> Wingstop definitely was one of the, one of the frequent stops that me and my friends would make. So, yeah. Yeah. No, so I mean, I'm blessed. It's been 15 wonderful years. Uh, still love the brand. Um, I still bring potential clients to my Wingstop, and um, they look at me very strangely. So when I tell people, like, you know, when you get into business, you got to have that passion for it. You know, the passion shouldn't be one month, three months, one year, even two years. It has to be at least five years, right? And so when I have my clients or friends go eat with me at Wingstop. You know, they, they give me this really awkward look when I'm eating my wings. They go, why are you giving me that awkward look? And they're like, you know, Tony, if you never told me that you were a wing stop owner, I would have never known the way you eat those wings. I'm like, well, what do you mean the way I eat those wings? Well, you eat those wings as if you're eating wings for the very first time. Mm-hmm. And that's how passionate I am about that food. I love wings, you know. Now, my wife would kill me if she allowed me to eat wing stop every other day, but you know, I'm, I'm eating Wingstop maybe once every two weeks right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, Wingstop, Wingstop is great. I mean, I, I personally, they're actually my favorite French fries too. Uh, oh, wow. Compared to, uh, all <laughs> yeah. Those seasoned fries. fries. Yeah. Uh, you know, I won't tell you the secret sauce, but yeah, but you know, we do put crack in there. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> I think there is a little bit of sugar, right? Yes. There's a little, a, a sweet of, uh, yeah, sweet uh, sugar in, in there. The, yeah. the season fries, yes. Yeah. No, great, great, great touch. So I, I love to kind of dive dive deeper into your, even that the start of that journey, right? You you briefly mentioned just bringing on, you know, three other partners with you to go, you know, to even discuss this wing stop. You know, your, your coworker 
basically introduced it to you. Was that person one of the partners as well? Or yes, yes, they were. They were. They were one of my partners. Yeah. So then you got uh, husband and wife, and then then you brought on one more person. Uh, I'm sorry. Two. So I'm sorry. I have three other partners. So I brought two other people. Okay. In this, yeah. One was a cousin, and one was actually a college friend. Yeah. So then, I mean, for for those for your the friends you brought on, I mean, is it that you've worked with them in some type of capacity, or you guys are just so close, or you guys have you know talked about it way back, and it's like, oh, it would be cool if we all worked together and and ran a business together. Like, well, yeah, you know, it's it's yeah, it's kind of funny because uh, one of them was my college friend. I guess we were great friends in school, so I reached out to a couple other people, right? And so again, like I was mentioning earlier, not everybody was like so into Wingstop because they said that hey, you know, Wingstop is a uh, an appetizer food, right? There's a lot of risks for an appetizer food, but these guys, what they did was they tasted the product, they believed in it. And they want to, you know, participate in the in this opportunity. I'm pretty sure you have the the people you have previously reached out to. Did anyone reach back out and kind of regret it like a year or two later? Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. I do have some friends that said, "Man, I should have, you know, gotten to Wingstop. Now it's a, a strong brand because you know it's a publicly traded company right now. Mm-hmm. If you look at it, like we're very close to our 52 week high. You know, even through this." Uh, what we're going through right now with the pandemic and everything it's a it's a strong brand that has been able to you know outlast uh, some of the other quick service restaurants out there in the market yeah was it you or someone else i saw recently on facebook that in and out had like their drive through like it was just super optimized now and and people can just drive right through it and get their hamburgers like within a couple minutes is that yours? <laughs> that was maybe no, that no, that wasn't me. But I could, I could, yeah, I could believe it. I mean, those guys, they got the operations nailed down. I mean, that's yeah. one uh, uh, role model type of franchise. You know, I think a lot of people would love to try to uh, mimic. You know, that and and uh, Chick Fil A. You know, Chick Fil A is the other one that's doing really, really well. So with the uh, with Wingstop, right? You you've basically figured out you know, the key ingredient, which was putting it next to anchor stores, such as Costco and, and targets. And then, um, you figure out the marketing and you were able to get some marketing opportunities through radio and with the golden state warriors. And so pretty much Wingstop at, at a certain point is basically running on its own at this yeah. point. Right. So then I think you mentioned previously as well that you had a partner, uh, one partner probably left or you guys bought out. And, you know, I think a lot of people who, you know, might be finding the time today to look into business opportunities. And even for me, it's, I'm, I'm very skeptical about like, oh, you know, if I am to go start a business, you know, do, should I go work with friends or should I go work with, you know, strangers or should I find someone who has more of the complementary skills, like a CTO, for instance, right? If I'm going to be building a software company, there's no point of bringing two business operations people together. Correct. Right? Correct. So, yeah. My, my advice uh, for that is you got to, you know, you really need to fill those four positions, the CEO, CMO, CFO, and the COO, you know, and I, I think if I were to do things like right now, I'm going to uh, doing another startup right now. I have those four positions covered right now. And it's so much smoother because everyone is, has their own expertise in each one of these lanes. 
And, you know, we'd all do our own thing, right? We don't look over each other's shoulder and say, I think you should be doing it this way, right? No, we just focus on, for example, minus sales, right? I, I just tell my partner, I said, hey, you know, you just focus on the quality and producing enough. That's all I care about. And I will do the sale. So yeah. that's, you know. Do, so, you, do you find that it, that comes just more within your guys' own experience and that everyone is, you guys have vetted each other prior or this has just been a working relationship that you guys grew with each other and understood and you, you feel like maybe you guys got lucky that everyone is pretty top notch within their, you know, their, their focus and specialty? Um, that's a really good question. It comes with experience for sure. They, they've got the experience to, to do this. Now, the other thing too is um, you want to kind of get to know your partners, you know, get to know them. So what I've done is before I sign on board with, with Omni, for example, I had to get to know the CEO. So we, we hung out, we talked for a good um, three, four months before I finally said, you know what? Okay, I want to be part of this journey. But yeah. with, when you first had that conversation, was the conversation about having you come in as an investor and then you wanted to spend some time and you do your due diligence for four months or it was, we're just friends and then you saw what they were doing and then, then you came in and offered after four months. <laughs> Yeah, so the, my original conversation with, with Tammy at that time was more, um, you know, she didn't have a food background. And so uh, a mutual friend of ours um, introduced us and said, hey, Tony, you know, she doesn't have any food background, but she's got this great coffee product. Can you uh, help her? So during that time, you know, I was kind of giving her advice. This is what I would do. And that conversation became bigger because she then said, hey, you know, um, you have the experience to help get my product into restaurants and retail chains as well. Can you help me with that? Right. And so from there on, I said, "Okay, well, let's let's get to know each other a little bit longer. You know, I don't want to sign the dotted line just right away because she was just starting out. And so we got to know each other. Uh, a little bit longer, hung out, kind of shared, you know, the the vision of what she had with the company, and and we were in alignment. And so now I'm I'm part of the journey. I am getting the product into uh, more store locations. Yeah, and so for for people who don't know, we, we've only just said the word Omni. Uh, if you want to share with with the audience what Omni even yeah, is, sure, sure. So this is so OmniBev, my my partner. Tammy, basically, uh, she has a family farm in Vietnam. We are the very first Vietnamese cold brew company with an RTD product. RTD stands for ready to drink. Okay. So people who love Vietnamese coffee, they will love our product. Uh, How are we different? We're different because our Vietnamese, the beans are imported from Vietnam. They're bottled and brewed in Southern California. We put the coffee, the cafe soda, the typical Vietnamese coffee into this bottle. So it's a quick grab and go. We have a three month shelf life with our coffee. You're like, wait, wait, how is that possible? So we have a pasteurization process that allows us to extend the shelf life of the product. Mm-hmm. So especially now with a lot of to go orders, right? If people want coffee, they can just grab and go this and uh, take it with them. Okay. So in the last 
you know, I, again, I got, I just got involved just recently about seven months and we did a lot of, um, we did a lot of, uh, what do I call focus group testing, right. To see what people had to, to say about it. And at the very beginning, I have to say, you know, it wasn't easy going because a lot of people, uh, were not accustomed to our formulation, but what we do really well is we listen to feedback, we pivot and we change the formulation. So in the last five weeks, we released five products to the market. It's very, very well received. We've been very, very fortunate. I have some, you know, later on I'll share the news, but you know, we were able to get into about 400 locations within the last five weeks. Into so, a retailer. <laughs> we, are, we are in some retailers, but more, and this is something that's a little bit different. We're into more corporate offices. Yeah. So yeah. So my my niche has been more restaurants and more retail chains, but we've been able to get our product into uh, retail uh, into corporate offices. Why? Because a typical coffee drinker will drink two cups of coffee a day. So and the other thing about our product is we have uh, you can see here four cups of caffeine in this one bottle in one bottle so, it, it, the first time you drink it you'll you'll definitely get uh pretty pretty hyped up i realize i have to drink half a bottle yeah. <laughs> in a day and then save the rest for later otherwise I'd be yeah As, absolutely i you know i had one of my uh colleagues i dropped him a case and a case only has 12 but a month has passed and i said hey do you want to order another one he says i'm still working on mine i'm like wait well, how are you working on it? there's only 12 in a case and you know, it's been 30 days. He says, dude, you know, your coffee, it's so strong that I only drink one third of it. And that keeps me up all day long. I'm like, man, you're getting the biggest bang for your buck. And you're only paying $4 for this bottle. You know? yep. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no, it really is. I had I, I to reduce, reduce it down a half. So uh, that's amazing. So one thing I did want to bring up and, you know, if people know you already via social media and on Facebook, I mean, there's, there's been comments about, you know, one of those things where any, any business that Tony touches kind of turns into gold and <laughs> it's, it's pretty true. But, you know, one of the things I, you know, as I looked at the things that you're doing and, you know, how you're pushing out the products and brand, what it came down to was that you yourself as an entrepreneur, as an individual, you're actually out there you know, putting in the work, you're the person who's actually grinding, you're showing up at events, you're the one pouring and serving out, you know, these, these samples and talking to people to promote your product, right? I think a lot of people would be like, you know, that's not my job. I'd rather hire a marketing person or, you know, show like a show person to take on that role and responsibility than being, having to be there. Right. And I think that's something I, I see in you is that makes you so much different than, you know, anyone else trying to push their own business is that you're willing to be on the ground floor and, and really push out a product that you believe in. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm, I'm the scrappy type of person, right? So any wins that I get, I share it with the team, right? I take full responsibility, accountability. So when I tell people that I'm responsible for, you know, sales, I, you know, I got to perform, I got to execute. It's not all talk. But at the same time, too, you know, down the road, you've got the, it's, you know, when you're building a brand, there needs to be a story behind it, right? They, you know, when you raise money down the road, you know, this is why I tell all the young entrepreneurs, like, you got to put your story together that it shows that you were out there 
in the field, serving coffee, driving from the Bay Area all the way down to LA to, for this particular event. I advise all the young entrepreneurs, like, guys, you should document this, right? Document it because you're going to tell your story. And, you know, when the investor is investing in, when they see the product, it's great and everything. But at the end of the day, they're investing in the story and the people, you know, can the people in this company execute? Can they hit these sales targets? That's what they want to know, you know? And so and that's why you see me hustle so hard. I mean, I, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I, I gotta build the story. I gotta show that I'm very passionate, which I am. I'm very super passionate about this. I, I, you know, I honestly think that we, with this particular product, um, you know, we want to elevate and bring Vietnamese coffee mainstream with this product. And about a couple of weeks ago, we got one step closer in the sense that our packaging. We won first place for our packaging, for uh, the package uh, design, uh, the branding in this contest that's really, really reputable around the world. It's an American design packaging contest, and we came in first place. Yeah. So uh, it makes my life a little bit, uh, a lot easier, actually, to be able to promote, you know, a product like that. So that's, but, yeah. you know, another win for us, another thing to add to the story. You know. Exactly. Yeah. In terms of documentation, I mean, what, what do you recommend, you know, for, for people? I, I think, you know, even, even for me, as I'm continuing on my journey, one of the toughest challenges is, you know, when you either you feel like an impo- you have the imposter syndrome, right? Or you're not really having any small wins. And so you just don't feel like there's much to celebrate, right? So what do you, what would you tell, you know, someone like that who might be in that kind of that rut? I think where, where I got, how I got to where I am today is, is through my network. So I would advise people like, if you guys don't have a LinkedIn profile, get one. I mean, for me, that's, that's how I've been able to get a lot of leads. Your net worth is basically independent on your network, right? So how big your network is, you know, I, I can't even imagine, like tell you how, uh, you know, uh, how some of these deals happen, you know, it's because a friend, I'll give you an example. I met a, a person, one of my colleagues, I met a person on a plane nine years ago to a San Francisco 49ers game and he's in the beer business. Right. And I'm like, I don't know what I could possibly kind of business do with this guy. Right. And I said, I'm not in the beer business. I don't even drink beer, mm-hmm. but you know, I just remember that he was in the distribution beer business and I was telling him about my, my coffee product and he said, you know, Tony, a lot of the beer distributors, they're looking for other businesses since they're in the grocery stores already and they're dropping off beer products, they're looking for other Bev products. I can make some connections for you. So even like things like you least expected, you know, down the road, it took like nine years later, but mm-hmm. here's a connection for me to go into you know, a distribution channel that I never had access to, yeah. right? So what I'm saying is, you know, when you're in a rut like that, you're, you're not, um, you know, you're not getting uh, these wins. You really should really uh, go back and figure out, you know, have a strategy in place and see if you could connect to some of these people who could make that introduction for you. You know, another example, we're trying to build brand awareness with here. So we're looking to, 
team up with uh, caterers, right? We'll ask the caterers, do you have a coffee option? And they'll say, no, we don't. Well, guess what? How about this? You bring us in, I'll give you a commission and I'll have my folks do the servicing. Mm -hmm. You know, so you got to be creative and, and come up with these ideas. Like let's not do the traditional channels. If there's ways where I could collaborate with people who already have their foot in the door in these corporate offices or these retail chains, you know, work with them, give them an incentive to get you in, right? Because not everybody will work for free, right? You incentivize them by giving them a, a rev share or a, a commission or a referral fee. So, so with, with your background, going from Cisco as, you know, like an IT person, analytics program manager, then you go into Wingstop there's not necessarily a sales background that came with Wingstop per se, right? Because a lot of it came down to the marketing aspect. So where did you get your sales chops coming into it to, you know, really push out the product? You know, it's, you're absolutely right. I, I, you know, someone had told me that Tony, they wanted me to um, um, sell ice cream. So I have a, you know, Maven's Creamery, we're on Shark Tank. And um, the sisters asked me to become a uh, baby's creamery. It's a macaron ice cream sandwich mm-hmm. uh, company. The sisters had asked me, Hey, we need a salesperson. I said, I've never, never done sales, but I've done wing stuff. Right. And someone said, well, Tony, you'd be a good salesperson. I go, well, I've never done sales, but I can try. So what happened was I ended up, you know, being the investor, being their uh, chief of sales. Which is a kind of a weird mix of someone who's investing their own money, then having to go back and try to bring in more money yeah. <laughs> in a roundabout way, right? Yeah. I mean, there, there, there are positions that needed to be filled. And so marketing and sales was two, two areas that, you know, I felt my strengths were. And so I'm, I'm knocking on all these different restaurants, right? The doors on all restaurants. And I'm saying, they're saying, Tony, can you, or I'm sorry. I'm telling them, hey, we have this great product. We would like to put this freezer in your restaurant so that you could sell it to your to your customers, you know. And I told them all the different benefits, how much money they were going to make if they sell two, three hundred units a week. And what was really interesting was how I got these restaurants to sign up was I also talked to them about the marketing aspect. A lot of these mom pa restaurants. They don't have a marketing team. They don't know much about marketing. But for me, coming from a a Wingstop background, they see that I have five Wingstops. So a lot of the conversation was on the marketing piece. And they said, okay, well, if I buy this product, you're going to help me with marketing, right? So I said, yeah, sure, why not? So that was how I, you know, that's where I really got kind of like my first taste in sales. And so with Mavens, we got up to 300 venues in the, mm-hmm. in the, in the four years, uh, in four years time. And my network is growing. You know, these restaurant owners are introducing me to other restaurant owners that want our product, right? So it's, a, it's like a snowball effect. You know, you're building your network. Like I said, your net worth is, is dependent on your network. So that's kind of like, uh, you know, where I got, I got my first taste of uh, sales. Yeah. And, you know, one of, one of the things that I also recognize about you is, is really that, that tenacity to come in. I think it was just a few months ago, there was supposed to be not even a few months, maybe close to a month ago, there was a trade show that you were going down to LA for. Right. And I think the trade show canceled because of 
the coronavirus or they were trying to reduce the the events? Correct, correct. We were supposed to go down. So for for OmniBev, this was the it was supposed to be a very big event. We were going to Natural Product Expo West, which is like the biggest food uh, expo on the on the in the states. And because of the coronavirus, my team was literally driving when they got to LA, and then the email came out to say it was canceled, and we're like, oh, we spent like three months on the booth putting the product together, introducing new products. And we're down in LA and it's canceled. So rather than just sit there and, 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 and cry about it, we said, you know what? Let, let, let me reach out to my existing network, right? And let me go out and drop samples. And that's exactly what I did was I met with folks in the restaurant field, drop off samples to them. There were some retail chains that are their headquarters is down in LA area. I was able to meet with them and they also tasted it. And like I said, within four or five weeks, we are going to be in you know 400 venues, but yeah, everything was put on hold. Everything yeah. was put on hold because of the coronavirus. But you know, when, once that's lifted, then, you know, uh, we're going to be having our product in, into those venues and everything. But, you know, again, I'm, I'm a scrappy person, you know, even though, um, Everything is stacked against you. Not to say that, you know, all these other people weren't affected. Everyone was affected by this whole thing, right? But you got, you just got to make the best out of the situation, you know? And so people were creative. Uh, the buyers for these conferences, they set up a virtual expo. So mm -hmm. just like how we're doing right now with Zoom meeting, they had all those, those, those vendors that were going to showcase at the expo jump onto a virtual call and we each got about five minutes to pitch our product oh wow so you know people they come up with creative stuff you know and so that's what we were able to do that's, that's interesting bringing that up because i just saw i don't know if it's really real but you know the the canton fair which is the largest import export convention in in shenzhen Mm -hmm. And they basically announced that they're going to have a virtual <laughs> conference. And I'm like, I don't know how you have hundreds of thousands of people walking that show, the, the showroom during that time twice a year and how they're going to do a, a virtual conference. I don't know. It'd be very you know, exciting to see how, how they actually execute on it. But yeah, I, I brought that. I wanted to you know, prompt that story up just because it, it goes to show your documentation of your journey and showcasing how you, know, you turned a situation into something positive, which now has led to a huge opportunity to, to go into, you know, yeah. hundreds of, of retail stores. Yeah. So I wanted to, you know, thank you so much for jumping on the show and give you an opportunity to share, you know, anything else you want to with our audience here today. So, you know, the product that I want to promote, obviously, is my coffee company, OmniBev. So for the folks that are listening, you know, to the podcast, I like to give them, you know, 15% off our product by going to our website, www.omnibev.com. Uh, before checking out, use the promo code YFactor and uh, you'll be able to get the 15% off till the end of the year. So, you know, give us a try, guys. Okay. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Tony. I mean, I've had your, your coffee many times. I'm actually looking forward to trying out the new flavors that you guys had recently released as well. Yeah, yeah. We also have the plant-based that, that you're talking about. So we also have a coconut one as well. So Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tony, for sharing your incredible story. I'm sure, you know, the audience here 
were able to take away a few golden nuggets and, and really look to you as an inspiration and, and pretty much a, a role model, you know, in terms of conducting business and, and really, you know, being passionate about what you, what you do. So thank you yeah. so much. Thank you for having me, Eric. Thank you so much. Take care. Right. Talk to you guys soon. Yep. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening until the very end. You can find more information about my guest on the website at whyfactorpodcast.com. I'll provide any links and promo codes that were mentioned in the interview. A full transcription of the interview is also available on the website. Share with your friends and tune in next time for another episode of The Why Factor.